Good afternoon, Codders. It is my privilege and pleasure to see you again this week. How are you doing, Dave? How are you doing, Phil? Uh, Dave's probably doing all right. He's doing a bit of this, a bit of that. <laughs> well, it's, 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 it's standard ops. It could go from one extreme to the other. It could Everywhere around me could be on fire and I'm like, going, you know, I'm all right. <laughs> I'm all right. At some point, it'll get too warm, and I might have to put some flames out. But at that point, I'll worry about it then. Love it. So, how are you, Phil? Yeah, I, I'm good too. Yeah, I've had a great couple of weeks of work. Really loving it. Um, life stuff's good. Yeah, can't mush and grumble. Uh, to quote Mark and Lard, was it Mark and Lard? Mush and grumble. Can't remember. Anyway, we'll edit that a bit out. I believe they stopped because they heard about Bonkers Dave. Dave no, Dave Bonkers. Dave Bonkers, yeah. We've been getting feedback from people telling us, Dave, Dave Bonkers, oh, you've got to do that as a radio show. Got to do that. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Such a laugh recording that. I'm, I'm, I, thanks for asking, guys, as you usually do. I'm, I'm in a great place at the moment, <laughs> not, only, not only because it's, uh, it's Friday and I've had a good week. I've been, I've been coaching and observing and, just had a really good week. Um, we've brought back COD number four. He was on the bench before. Now he's coming in as star striker. Our good friend, the guy who taught us about being tender as a man, Jindy. Good to see you, my friend. Good to be back with you guys. Thanks for having me back on. How are you? I am, um, as we were just talking about, great but exhausted uh, for for reasons we'll, we'll get into, I'm sure. But uh, And those two things are connected. Mm. I've never been so happy to be exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense, doesn't it? It's, it's using the word connected, what connects us now, which is different to last time, is that we're all now fathers, parents. Yes. Congratulations, Jindy. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, so we're, we're almost six weeks in. Uh, our baby boy arrived almost six weeks ago. And it's been a, it's been a crazy journey. It's been a wild ride already. Um, yeah. Lots to, so much to tell, but it's, um, we're, we're embracing it and we're loving it. Brilliant. That's really good to hear because we, we speak often about the challenges we have in our lives and opportunities we have in our lives as well. And we're, we're beginning to become known for speaking openly and candidly about things that we just don't often talk to our friends about. And some of the things that really, really affect us and, and change the way we think and feel is, is our role as a parent, as a dad. And we, we've spoken recently offline about things that really concern us as, as parents. What's really interesting now is looking at us from can kind of right to left. Jindy, you're at the beginning of that journey, and I'm not, not quite at the end of that journey, but I've got a completely different set of experiences over the last few months to, to you. And they won't frighten you. They just embrace it. You know, it'll just, it'll just probably make you more enthusiastic about being a dad. And Phil and Dave, you know, we, we've all got our own experiences. So I thought we'd be really good for us to be open, honest, candid, and just talk about this this journey. So um, I, I, first question I've got to to everyone, but maybe starting with you, Jenny, because it's because it's fresher to you. What was that feeling like when you first saw your baby? Yeah, uh, it's it's as you guys will probably know, it's a difficult one to put into words. Um, uh, I mean, without going into all the details, the, the the birth didn't quite go to plan. We were planning a home birth. We had to transfer to hospital. There were a few minor complications. Uh, well, I say minor. I mean, for my wife, it was really, really intense. Um, so, so when he arrived, there was just this overwhelming 
flood of all sorts of emotions. Um, and, and it's hard to put words to them. Um, but, but what I can describe is that I just was overcome with, with all sorts of emotions and, and, and burst into tears. Um, he was a week overdue. So, um, you know, that skin that babies have that takes a while to kind of slough off when they're born. Most of it was already gone. So he kind of was born looking like this sort of perfect little human being, you know, with this, with this kind of shiny, smooth skin. And I was just looking at him, you know, and even as I think about it now, I can just feel this emotion. I was looking at him on the table on the blue cloth that he'd been born on. And I just, all these emotions came flooding through me. And I just burst into tears. And, and every time we had a few doctors and people coming in and out, every time someone came back in, I just started crying again because they'd been so central to, to the journey we've been through. So, um, it was just, yeah, I think that's the, that's the only way I can do it justice because it's hard to put mm-hmm. into words. It's, um, as you're speaking, I'm beginning to remember some of the, the gratitude I had for other people. First of all, for, you know, for our, for our, our partners, for, for even being able to physically do that without dying. You know, that, that still blows my mind. How do you do that? It, it's unbelievable. And then the team around them, you know, the medical professionals who were there and that feeling of powerlessness, like there's not a great deal I can do now. You know, for the last nine months I've been trying to support, but there you go. What I've just witnessed is is unbelievable. So those emotions, it's I, I completely concur. You you can't put words to those emotions. It's 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 an interesting one, isn't it? Remember those. Phil, what was it like for you, Phil? Well, I've got my senses were really heightened. Like that, like you know, but the overwhelming sense I've got from Daisy's birth is the smell of beef and onion hula hoops on my fingers never expected that answer (laughs) or barbecue beef or whatever they are because in a similar way and that sounds so flippant but it is kind of weird and it's sort of true obviously i remember like her being book born but it's almost like beef flipping hula hoops (laughs) because same you know we we, we'd it hadn't worked to plan um you know we didn't we'd been in for gosh, I'm sure something like 14 hours and, you know, um, the original idea was to have uh, a fruit, fruit, you know, in a, in a, in a, in a pool and water pool and that didn't happen. And, and Daisy, you know, she got herself a little bit stuck on the way and, and then that, you know, all of a sudden got quite scary really because the, the point you made there, Andy, is like, you know, you know, they're, they're a, women are amazingly able to do this insane thing and not die in the process. Where it was, you know, only perhaps a couple of generations ago, the complications that, you know, we, we, we've talked about there may well have and en- en- ended, ended in a fatality, you know. So it's amazing, yeah. And But like I said, <laughs> I because I'd not eaten and so very wisely had, had packed, a, you know, some stuff for us to eat and, and it was beef and onion. <laughs> so, um, but again, just, you know, you know, it's like the moment that just sort of, the moment it explodes, like the moment, like, oh, you know, all of a sudden it, it could feel like an hour or a day of stuff going on um 
and you know that's because you're taking everything in aren't you it's like oh my goodness there's a little person here that's joined the world and we're part of it and it's just incredible yeah. isn't it I didn't cry though I thought I would but I didn't cry which I don't know I just did what I felt it right in my heart as I'm sure we all did and and I'm just playing that back now I've got that same feeling there it's incredible it's amazing you can still incredible. relive it as well Mm. Do you still like yeah. it? Yeah, every time I open it, every time I open it, I get a Beef and onion. <laughs> beef and onion. Is that, what's David's middle name? Is it beef or onion? Or beef Lula? and... and. <laughs> Brilliant. No, I, 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 anyway. I, I love that. It's, it's amazing what little details remember because our, our senses are heightened. It's the first time we've got that experience. Um, it's just it's just amazing, those those memories that we have, isn't it? Dave, you've you've got two. So what was that like? Birth one, birth two. What was it like for you as a dad, first of all? So a while ago, boys, uh, 16, uh, well, 16, nearly 17 years ago, and 13 years ago. So sometimes I struggle to remember what I did last week, let alone all that way back. It was, I get better, maybe similar, you know, with both of them, more so with Josh, things things didn't go to plan. on either of them, uh, Max is probably a bit easier than Joshua's. But even though it was it was it was a mad time, as in you know, the whole experience is a bit like boom, you know, boom. My life outside of it was pretty chaotic, so it was quite peaceful. If, if do you know what I mean, it was quite a peaceful and surreal experience. The one thing I absolutely do remember and we spoke about this the other week, is on both of the boys, the night before they were born, and listen, we didn't plan this, on both nights, we went to the same Thai restaurant and ate the same Thai meal the night before, just out of absolute, pure coincidence. And then it was uh, and then it was at a similar time in the evening, I believe, where it was mission on. It was just like, I can't believe I, we didn't plan it or anything like that. It was just like... Do you realise we went to the same Thai restaurant and we ate the same thing on the same night? So obviously, you know, like five years, uh, five years, three, three and a bit years, years different. So that I'll always remember that. But I just remember it being like, even though it was mad, uh, it was very, very calming. As in, literally, like the re- all this other thing that's going on in life is gone, and we're in this room, and this is where we are. And that's all that matters, you know. It was it was as if the noise switch of everything else had been silenced and it had gone, you know. Wow. I'm sure you know. Don't get me wrong. I don't believe Suzanne was at peace, but my my, my <laughs> was was a bit more peaceful. And also, also, how good a cup of tea and a slice of toast tasted afterwards. Do you know what I mean? And that's what they offered Sue. I just ate it. Yeah, they offered Suzanne that, you know. And, 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 and I'm just like, Get that yeah, to me. Yeah, yeah, indeed, indeed. Yeah. How about you, Andy? What, what were your experiences? It was, it was it, yeah, it was it was different for both. I've got a boy and a girl. Brandon is now 22 and Kirsten's 20. And they are both completely different and that's relevant to the birth. The births of them both were completely different. Um, Brandon was absolutely bang on time. 
And he always is, and he's, he's remained punctual for the rest of his life. You know, everything you've asked of him, he does. He does it exactly the way it should be done. And Kirsten was late, and that's kind of carried on as well for the last for the last twenty years. Um, in in terms of the 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 experience, obviously the birth of Brandon was a very first experience of of being there, and because Nikki wasn't quite ready. And, and it happened very quick. You know, I won't go into more detail, but a very quick birth can be almost as painful as a very slow birth. Things happen to the body that are not meant to happen that quick. So I helped deliver Brandon at hospital. So when we got there, I had to drive incredibly quickly because she's like, it's all right. I'm not, it's okay. I'm not going. Those contractions were seconds in between each other. You're going into labor. She goes, no, no, it's all right. I've been in touch with get in the back of the car quick and we just emergency. So we, I, I drove as quickly as I could without her ripping my head off. We're over every little bump on the way down there. So we got there, pulled up, handbrake on, hey, the screech, got, got a trolley in there. And when they went out to get the, the nurse, I was literally down the business and helping to deliver Brandon. And just, and I don't know what happened. I just, I thought I'm going to melt and just pass out or, you know, I'll become an emotional wreck. And I just became a doctor almost. I'm going, go on, stick your, stick your, Chin into your chest, push. We've got we've got something coming through here, and I just it was like it was like playing a character in ER. And then because it happened so quickly, they they gave the baby Brandon to me, and I took my top off, and we went you know skin to skin. It was the most beautiful moment I've ever experienced. It was just I can't again. You said Jindy, you can't put it into words. Everything changed. Everything stayed the same, but everything changed the way I saw. Everything it was different, and Kirsten's birth was, for God's sake, I never got to be in this hospital for now. I mean, it feels like for about a week. For, how long is this going to happen? So she got induced, eventually. So that was a completely different experience, but a way more controlled and one that we were relieved to, you know, to hold her at that point, rather than Nikki being in, you know, a lot of a lot of pain. She was in less pain this time. I'm talking in comparison. It's the kind of pain that any of us couldn't tolerate mm. anyway. No. But then it was just as beautiful because it was a contrasting experience. So the, 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 the overriding emotion for me wasn't, you know, hula hoops or, and it wasn't tea and toast or anything like that. It was as soon as Brandon was born, I thought, I actually understand my dad now. And I don't know what where that came from. I'd always been lo- at loggerheads with my dad. I've always loved him. We've always got on with each other. We're very similar to each other. But suddenly I felt this connection to my dad. As soon as, he, as as Brandon was born, I'm like, I need to tell my dad. Nobody else, just my dad. And just to say, I get, you know, I thought you were a knobhead before, but now I actually understand what a dad is. It's, it must be so difficult to, to deal with all these responsibilities and pressures and emotions. And I, I suppose one of the things that, you know, just to add to that, whilst Brandon's birth was actually went really, really well, to, to conceive Brandon was very, very difficult. So we were told that we may not have children. And Nikki had have to go through a lot of operations because she has endometriosis. So she had four serious operations and they were very, very serious. If she'd not had them, she could have died. You know, so I was overwhelmed with gratitude knowing that my wife has been through this just for this moment. You know, so, yeah, women are, are fantastic creatures. We know that. And when you witness it firsthand, you're like, holy shit, this is this is just a miracle. And it, there literally is nothing else other than it's a miracle. But, yeah. I think when, when I ask other people about, you know, other blokes in particular, what's your proudest moment? Almost everyone says becoming a dad. Mm. And it must say an awful lot. Mm. 
But thanks for asking. What did you suddenly understand about your dad, Andy? It's a a really, it's a good question. I'm not too sure what it was. It was an emotional connection. It wasn't something that, ah, right, when you said or did, that makes sense. It was just an emotional connection. Like, this is what a dad feels like. It's like, I, I, the the kids are my kryptonite, if you like. They, they, They kind of, they get... They see every weakness in me, not every strength, if you see what I mean. They make me who I am, but I become an overprotector. I lose my shit if anything threatens them. I think we spoke last time, Dave, about we'll go absolutely berserk out of character if there's any threat on them. So in some respects, I kind of get the reasons why my dad was like overreacting at the time or where his temper came from. And he's, not, he's never been an aggressive person, you know, and... You know, I don't want to paint him in a bad light. He's not. He's, he's a wonderful. He's a wonderful dad to me. But I could understand how confusing it is to to go from looking after yourself and your other half to now having to be a protector, a mentor, a guide, a sage, and all these extra responsibilities come on you. It's almost like I'm taking a lot more responsibility, I suppose. So I think it was just a an emotional kind of spiritual connection. And when when Brandon came out. And I realised that it wasn't me or part of me. It was just a different human being. And I've just I've just played a very small part in his creation. And then I, I think I think that's what it was. It's like, now I get it. I'm not trying to be like you, Dad. I'm now, I now know that I am my own person. And I think it was just a juxtaposi- juxtaposition what happened. I don't know if that makes any sense or I'm just babbling. I'm just wondering, might just change the format up a little bit. I don't know if you're okay with this, Phil, Dave. Um, I usually ask a lot of pertinent questions, but Jindy, you're great at asking questions. You're clearly a fantastic coach. Because you're at the beginning of this journey and we're a little bit more seasoned into fatherhood, if you like, theoretically. Mm. How about you ask us a, a, a few questions? Ooh. How would you feel about that? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's like a, This is like a fatherhood masterclass for me. Um, <laughs> I haven't got that far. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's start with... What's one thing, if there's one thing you could go back and tell yourself at the start of the journey, what would that be? Yeah, it's a really good question, that, isn't it? It's a really great question. Myself at times with, with Daisy, not uh, in attempt to make sure she does the right thing, I've quite often, or I've been quite quick to react and I don't think that's good at all. You know, like, you know, I'd come home and she, she left when she was smaller, you know, much smaller. She'd have left all the toys everywhere and, you know, and I'd react in the moment to that. Oh, you know, right, come on, let's tidy up. No, and it's, I've learned much more to go with it and to go with her. Um, and because I found, and I don't know if this is the same experience the guys have, that if I go off, not at the deep end, because I never would, but, you know, if I, if, I, if my tone uh, is anything like, um, not aggressive, you, you, if, 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 if my tone isn't right, that gets her on the back foot, and you, you sort of just end up without even wanting to 
in a loggerhead situation, you know, whereas you just get used to being at one with them and understanding them and what their motivations are and like, what's going to, what's going to, you know, get the right reaction. Cause no one wants to fall out over so much stupid, like some toys or not being put away and all that. Um, so I think just, like now we've got a brilliant relationship because because we have that understanding and i think maybe that's we've talked about generational stuff in the past now like my my dad is uh, very different in in fatherhood style than me um and um you know i i guess our dads were of that generation where um they were a little bit less involved maybe um, than, than, than we would want to be now. So I, yeah, just, just the, the importance of connection and being one with each of our knowing what gets the best out of them. You know, that's my advice to myself. Good advice. Mm. Next Can do, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's a very good question. I mean, another thing that I always remember is when we brought Joshua home and we being on, on the bypass and Suzanne saying to me, you know, we are on a bypass. You're doing 30 miles an hour, Dave. You need to, uh, you know, precious cargo on board. You, you need to get your foot down. And I also remember walking in, walking into the lounge and putting his putting the car carrier down, looking at Suzanne and we were like, what the fuck do we do now sort of thing. And I'm like, I'll put the kettle on. That's everything. Everything's in just start with a cup of tea, really, shouldn't it? So, tea and, and also knowing, yeah, and also knowing that it's not like you're going to pick up a book and go do this. So there's no instructions for it. You got to work it out on the fly. And it, it, you know, we always say that everyone's different and everyone's circumstances are different. Different. It could not be any more individual, could it? Really, it could not be any more individual. But I remember that for, probably for the first year. With Joshua, I thought I could continue my life the way it always used to be. You know, so you've got a new arrival on the scene. Uh, you know, Suzanne's doing what she, you know, what she's doing, and I should have been doing what I was doing. I should have contributed more. Whereas I was, uh, I was back at work here, there, and everywhere. I was in. The, I went out to the Middle East. You know, I think he'd only been born about four or five weeks and I went to the I was in and out of the Middle East a few times and so I probably spent a year thinking I can carry on doing what I'm doing and not realizing that Suzanne was struggling a little bit, you know, because it, which she would expect from that point of view. So I'd I'd tell myself, you know, and also getting back into the mixer going, okay, he's arrived now, see you later, I'm off getting back into the mix very quick where I mean, life's significantly different now, you know, it, it, it was work, then family, then me. And now it, the family comes first in everything. I work my life around that. Uh, so I would tell myself on day one, you know, you need to pause here a little bit, take a little bit of time out. You need to, your life's changed. Your life is now significantly different than what it was before rather than going, He's here. He's all right. See you later. I'll crack on because I'm the bloke. I've got to go back to work. I've got to do this, this, and this. Mm. It's my job to go and do all of this. That's your job to do that. And that's not right. That, that's not the case. That mm. I should have done more. I could have been more a lot. I could. I should have been more present. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, so go on, Andy. What what would what advice would you give yourself now? Well, I'd say I'd say something like to thirty year old Andy and go um, stop overthinking everything because that's what you always do. Um, yeah, I, I, I'd I'd said just just go with it, learn from it. They're not going to judge you. Your babies never judge you. I think there's this, what I've learned is that they will always love you no matter what you do, whether you're there or not. If you said the right thing or said the wrong thing, if you fuck up or not, they will always love you. So don't try too hard to be a dad. Just be a dad and and go with your gut sometimes is what I mean by that. And I think about, and, and I talk about roles and labels quite often. It's a really important thing to me. Um, is that as a dad, you're not really meant to be their friend. You, you meant you've got a role to play. And I think that's something I got wrong, is that I tried to be their friend for too long, almost replacing their friendships they, they could they could have had, and me replacing my friendships with my with something we spoke about at the last the last time you were on Jindy is about, you know, the people you have tender relationships. I, I almost ignored everybody else in my life and just put all my time and effort into the children you still need to find space for yourself, you know? So remember that your children are not your friends, they're your children. So the role you play is, is not one of, and, and they, they hate this. I asked them a lot of questions and then we stop coaching us, please. I'm like, I'm not coaching you because you are coaching because I can see with the way you look and the question you asked was not the typical question you would ask your child. For example, you know, how did that feel, for example? What have you learned from that situation? Dad, I'm just eating the tea, leave me alone. <laughs> Uh, so don't coach, don't coach your kids. Just be there. Um, and I think the, over, the the overarching thing for me is being a dad is not about you. It's not actually about you. It's about just be. It is being you, but you're not comparing or competing with anybody else in this role. There's no like I've got to be a better bad, a, a better dad than Dave or Phil or Jindy. Mm. It's about just being the yeah. best you can be for that other person or those. Wow, people. so much in what you guys have just shared. Um, lots of. Th- Lots of threads I want to pick at, actually. Um, I mean, one thing that springs to mind, I, I've, I've come to this a bit later in life than most people, so I'm 45. Uh, and in some ways, in many ways, actually, there's, there's a lot that's really useful about that um, in terms of my stage in life and the, my lifestyle and all these, all these sorts of things and, and what I've learned. But something you said, Andy, about um, uh, overthinking, I think sort of I've I've been surprised at how little I haven't been overthinking. But I think maybe five, six, seven years ago, I would have been a lot more. And I think you guys touched on it as well, a lot more trying to control things. I'm really, you know, really trying to sort of manage everything. And I think that comes a little bit with age. And certainly my journey has been about letting go of control a bit um, and just paying attention. And uh, I think a few years ago, I would have read all the books. We've read one book, uh, and it's by a psychotherapist, and it's called The Book You Wish Your Parents Had Read. And it's all about the emotional relationship you have with your baby or with your child. And it's really related to coaching and mentoring, actually. It's, it's just, just keep paying attention. Just, this is a human being. It's a living thing. Pay attention and see how much you can notice and, that, and just use that as your starting point. So... Yeah, loads that loads of um, resonated there. There's something you said, Dave, about work. Actually, something I've been reflecting on. And I'd love to hear all your thoughts on this. Is uh, 
for, for me and for my wife, even before our baby arrived, work is far less of a priority in our lives. Uh, and we've made some conscious decisions about that. At the same time, we love our work. We, we really care about it. And we, and we love lots of the other things we do um, in terms of hobbies and friends and so on. So for me, there is this balance. And we talk about it a lot about we need to go out outside the relationship, outside the family, get energy from those, those other things so that we're also bringing it back in. So it is this kind of tension or this balance between work and the other parts of your life and your family as well. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. The, 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 what you've talked about there, Jindy, is, is what a fantastic position to be in in life to start a relationship with a, your child, to have gone through the work stuff and to have gone through the prioritising your career, which I know it, has, it was where you are, were at at one point in your life. And, and, and me too, for me, and sort of the same as, as, as Dave uh, discussed there, like when I, the first, you know, five, six years of our daughter's life, I was, you know, working hard and work um, did take priority. I've got, I've got to admit, it not, not through um, conscious choice, I don't think. Well, no, certainly not because, you know, I'm not that person. But, um, but the way, the way I am, you know, I, I was working hard and, and, and sort of, you know, I said this before, but, you know, early to the office, late, late, late from the office because, you know, my choice. And, um, and I'd be seeing my daughter, you know, for probably about 20 minutes in the evening. And that's absolutely shit. There's no other, like, and that is a regret for me. Um, and now, yeah, I, I have same, you know, I don't, I, I don't overwork. I work better in short bursts and I appreciate that about my own, you know, energy. And consequently, I have a far deeper relationship with my daughter now. So for you to be starting out at that point where you've been through the the, 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 the the kind of, you know, the crazy period of life where work becomes more important than it should have been, to be at the point where you're at with peace with the, the way you are now, I, I would, I would, I don't have many regrets, but if I could go back and do that, I'd do it in a flash, literally in a flash. I really would. It's making me feel quite much. Actually, is so. Um, yeah, I actually feel quite emotional, which I've never done on this podcast before. But there you go. Not that I neglected her. Just that um, those amazing, beautiful times, you know, uh, were a bit. Um, um, we didn't have as many of them as we we should have. Not and for no. No sensible reason on the planet, you know. Anyway, so. I think for me, some of it was because the way that my family was, so like my dad was, he grafted six, seven days a week, you know. He'd, he would do the shift work. He, he was, he, I mean, my God, do I miss him now. And 
more than ever because some of the there's been things that have happened recently with my kids and I've gone I'd love to ask my dad about that I'd love to ask my dad about that and Suzanne will go well, why don't you ask your mum and I'm like because it's not my dad do, do you know what I mean and there are questions around the way that my boys are behaving now that I'll go, I'd like to go to my dad you know when we fell out and we was that and I'm going maybe some of that was me but the work thing I think from me came from my dad because my dad grafted and so I sort of followed suit. I think the good thing is, Phil, is that's no longer the case. So we're doing it. We're doing it differently, and hopefully, we, we're doing it. We realise sooner rather than later. Do you, do you know what I mean? So I think I think that's that's an incredible, absolute incredible thing. And I remember the conversations we've had over the years with Suzanne, where it's like, you know, other people that we know, well, their parents help them out with this, and their parents help them out with that, and it's always been really myself and Suzanne have done it all but now we're having conversations going we're as good as what we do because we've always done it ourselves you know and and the boys are like super busy there everyone's got stuff on and it works really well with tag team stuff you know and we still go out together as myself and Sue we go out with friends that she goes away with the girls I'll go away with the balls at boys and I think a lot of that is because We've sorted it out and worked it out organically ourselves. We've not relied on anybody else. Can you pick the kids up from school? Can you babysit here? Can you do that? Can you do this? We've defaulted and done a lot of it ourselves, which has sort of stood us in good stead and, and, and good time now. You know, and, and I think one of the big things for me, because they're, they're incredible, aren't they? They're the best things in the world ever. You know, they are just my, I get, I, I, I tingle when I talk about it, about, you know, I, I tingle about it. But like this week for me, I've got the, I mean, I know we've had conversations, Andy, about what, what you, you know, your lad's gone on to do. And it's been good that, because I didn't have, you know, when he's moved out. And my eldest, Joshua, finished his GCSEs two weeks ago and moved out yesterday. And I'm just like, <sighs> you know, and we dropped him off and I'm getting more emotional than my wife. You know, I'm like, literally I had to walk away and walk down the street at one point. Cause I'm like, I'm, I'm busting it tears here and I'm fighting it off. You know, I'm, I'm fighting it off. And, and Max, my youngest who was with us must've realized because he then messaged Josh to say, I think that's getting a bit upset. And then Josh rang me back up to say, daddy, all right. And I'm like, Oh my word. <laughs> You know, but it's 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 one of the hardest things I think we will ever do, and the best thing you'll ever do, the best thing you'll ever do. And as soon as you realise that, you know, I mean, Tony, one of the guys I know, I remember him when 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 they were born. He just said, "Enjoy them, Dave. Just enjoy your time with them, because before you know it, they'll be going doing their own things." You know, and, and and it's, oh man. And it's, I thought that might be 18, 20, 22 years before that happened. 16, you know. And then I'm looking at Max, who's 13, who I think in the last month I'm looking at him going, he, he looks different. He, he you know, he's, he's I can, I'm like going, oh my word, he's becoming a young man, you know. And I'm like, I'm just like, holy shit, it's just, 
but it, it's the most incredible thing ever. And sometimes I think to myself, I mean, I'm 48 in September going, would I have another one? I'm going, oh my God, I can't, can I? I'm thinking I'm 48, do you know what I mean? And uh, that might be, that might be maybe time to take a, a bit of time back, do more things with my wife now, you, you know, from that side, that side of it. It's, it's, but I'm buzzing for you, mate. I'm buzzing for you. It's, and like, you know, we all do it at all these different ages and depending on what age it is, your experience is going to be different, isn't it? It's mm. going to be completely different, you know, but it's cool. It's proper cool. I've got, um, I've got a reflection on that as well. I mean, first off, Phil, um, you had me in tears then for a minute. Your vulnerability is, is beautiful. So thanks for that. And Dave, you as well, getting me upset there because you're such good friends. I'm kind of feeling what you're feeling as you're telling me. So, Thanks for getting us all upset. We're, we're, we're proper modern blokes, aren't we? All crying on a podcast live and all that. Though. Um, j- just, I mean, the ref- the reflection I've got for that, and it might even actually be in your question, Jindy, about you know what we get from outside and what we bring back into the family. Is like I think the way society is now is completely different to when we were growing up. You know, we the most I think at least two of us on this, all three of us, grew up on council estates. And the way things were at the council estate was dad then goes goes off and works or goes to the pub. That's what, and I didn't judge my dad for that at all. And going back to what I said before, I don't judge him for that. That's just, that's the way it was. It's not wrong or right. That's just what family life was about. But similarly, living on an estate, everybody mucked in as well. Something you mentioned, Dave, is like, you know, we're doing it ourselves. I remember growing up, it was like, I had so many aunties and uncles I was never related to. You know, you just people just look after each other's kids and stuff. Doors will be open, even though we're on a council. Nothing, nothing worth nicking anyway. Um, but you would, you wouldn't though. I mean, it was, it was. But I, I think that's what's missing now. You know, we aspire exactly, yeah. We we aspire now for like bigger houses and more space, but actually makes us further away from people. From people puts on puts us under more pressure. So we've got this old program going back, like. 30, 40, 50 years ago, this is what my dad did and that's what I need to do. But that's incompatible with the way we live now. It just doesn't work anymore. And that's potentially why there's that feeling of regret, Phil. And I had that. I'm like, what would my dad do? Well, my dad would have done that. But that wouldn't work now. It's just not the right thing to do anymore. So defaulting to be our parents, that's what we tend to do because that's the way we've been shown. But there's there's, there's another little twist on this as well, Jindy, which I think something as we've got in common is that I've facilitated men's mental health talking groups in the past and postnatal depression for men is a really serious issue, really serious because it's the sort of thing you cannot talk about A, because it's a sign of weakness and B, because most men don't even think it's a thing. And I know plenty of guys who've almost committed suicide when they realized when they became a dad because they had postnatal depression because everybody swarmed around the children and the mum but the dad was being isolated and left out. And we're not living in communities anymore around here where we can just get together and like nip out to the pub for a pint. It's an effort. It's a chore. We we depend on text messages now or, you know, having to do something. We had communities in the past where we could just, I'm nipping out because, you know, changing nappies and the smell of shit and piss is really getting to me now. Just give me a couple of hours. I want a pint with my mates and I'll come back, recharge, refresh, and I won't be losing my shit at home anymore. And I think that's, something which is missing. I'm not saying it was better in the good old days. I'm just saying that's something which is missing now. And we're, we're trying to use our old programs as what we thought were, were good parenting techniques, which are just not working anymore. 
I don't know if that's what you were looking at, Jim. Yeah, well, I think there's a lot in that. And it's uh, it's actually something I've been looking at recently about how the, if the history of this is interesting. So, and it's, it's, um, it's deeply intertwined with capitalism. So not so long ago, uh, men uh, worked at home or near home. So actually, even though gender roles were considered a lot more um, uh, distinct then and, and not advantageous to women, men were around family a lot more. And um, particularly in places like the UK, were expected to play a role with the family, uh, you know, the, particularly if they were religious. You know, you, your duties were to your family, to the church, to the village or whatever community you lived in. With the advent of capitalism, suddenly a couple of things happen. Suddenly you're going away for work. You're going far away. You're leaving the home. Even if it's just a commute, you're going somewhere else to earn this money. And secondly, you're you're competing against other men. So men that were previously part of your community, now it's you, you're isolating yourselves as individuals and going, I must individually succeed and I must beat you in the process. I must earn more than you. I must have a bigger house. And that's how society has evolved and is kind of intertwined with the way that um, we operate as as families now, as you mentioned. Um, and it's been an interesting reflection to us because we live in Berlin and we're both in the UK. Um, we've been overwhelmed by our, how our friends have responded, you know, people bringing us food and, you know, home, home-cooked food. And we've, we've had a fridge full of food for the last few weeks and it's been amazing. So that's that's been really lovely, actually, the way people have kind of gathered around us and, and supported us. And, and we'll do the same because we've got friends having kids as well. Um, but it does make you realize that, um, in fact, if we'd both been living in London, uh, it probably would have been harder because our families are from elsewhere and uh, we'd have seen nobody. We'd have seen nobody because people don't do that in London for various reasons. So um, ironically, because so many people in Berlin aren't from Berlin, they kind of gather around and provide that community. But it has made us realize that oh, it's, it's something I think about a lot. This is a fairly modern phenomenon that you're not surrounded by community when you have a family. When you And when you become, I think for dads, as you were touching on there, Andy, there's a different twist as well because firstly, uh, modern men are less, um, accumulate or, or invest less in intimate relationships. Um, so they're already quite isolated when they become dads. And then when you become a dad, as you said, you spend your first few weeks surrounded by nappies and you and my role and I was very conscious of this but I still found it a challenge was entirely to support my role was to clean the apartment was to go and get food to do all these other things but I still found myself um finding that a bit stressful and a bit of a, a bit of pressure because there's no one else to help and um so those things combined I think uh, are quite quite modern new things they're different challenges that we're dealing with I've got a question I don't know if, if if you if you're ready for this question, and if you don't if you don't like it seriously, you can edit this out and not take it because it's a really horrible question, and I'll preposition it with this um, and something which Dave is experiencing now. Brandon's in Colombia now, um, and he's, he's he went to China, got evacuated from China when the pandemic happened, and he came back. It was a terrifying time. I'm still terrified that Brandon's in Colombia now on his own. He chose to go on his own, and then he's going to Ecuador. So I'm super proud, but I'm terrified for him at the same time because I know just how evil the world can be and it's out of our control. So this is this is a horrible question now. Knowing how fucked up this planet is, something we've been messaging each other about, knowing how fucked up the world is, what inspired us 
to become a parent and bringing a pure being into this fucked up world that we're living now? Hope? I don't know. Like, we all know, you know, and and, and increasingly, you know, we we see how messed up the world is. You know, it used to be a used to be a a remote thing, didn't it? The world is going to get warmer. The world is going to have these um, ever pres- pre- present threats of war and 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 always kind of, always felt a little bit remote. And now it now it isn't. It's here. It's we we're seeing it. We touch it. It impacts our lives on a daily basis. Like and. It, it is hope, you know. I can't even put it into words. It's like you, you know, but you couldn't stop. You know, um, you couldn't not have kids because then the world really would end, wouldn't it? I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but. Um, I might edit myself saying this in a more sensible way, but you have to have hope that change might happen, mm. and 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 maybe our kids, maybe they're part.